This is PhotoBizX, episode number 502, and get ready for a big kick in the backside. Today's guest shares some hard truths that you need to hear if you want to be successful as a photographer in business. In addition to that, he shares a killer lead generator tactic that he's been utilizing in his business, Facebook Lives. Our special guest is none other than Brendan Taylor of Baby Art Studios, and that interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast-track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here, host of the Photo Biz X podcast, where I interview guests from around the world to help you build a better photography business. And you probably have guests that there is some lead time with some interviews that I record, and there's a little bit of time between recording the actual interview and having a chance to release it. And because of Christmas, New Year, episode 500, and other things going on, I have been sitting on this interview with Brendan Taylor for way too long, and it's one interview that I've been desperate to get out to you because I have a feeling this will change the way you look at business. This is one of those episodes, this is one of those interviews that I know that I'll be referencing back to and recommending to listeners and new premium members in years to come. That's how confident I am you'll love this episode today with Brendan. We're going to get into that in just a second. If you didn't catch last week's episode with Angela Schneider, the pet photographer who focuses on end-of-life pet sessions, you need to get back and have a listen to that one, whether or not you photograph pets because that interview has stirred up a lot of chat inside the members' Facebook group. I've also been fielding emails and going back and forth with some photographers on the topic of photographing families for end-of-life sessions and discussing how best to market that. In fact, inside the members' Facebook group, I linked to a book that Libby from Memento Pro recommended I have a look at and share in the group. It was by Dan O'Day and focuses on an elderly couple. And unfortunately, one of them passed away not long after that book was released. So if you are a premium member, get back and have a look at that one. If you have ever considered photographing end-of-life sessions, make sure you get back and have a listen to Angela. She's a grief counsellor these days, or has been trained in grief counselling, shares a ton about that and how she's utilising those skills to help her pet photography clients. It really is an interesting interview if you haven't heard it. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Okay, we are going to jump into this interview with Brendan in just a second. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Brendan. I am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only. The good news is you can access the full interview easily for as little as $1 with a premium trial membership. It's a 30-day trial. You can get access to it for a dollar if you just head over to photobizx.com forward slash try. And I can guarantee that $1 will be an incredible investment if you get a chance to listen to the full interview today with Brendan. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest is an absolute powerhouse. And to give you a bit of background, after discovering photography when his baby daughter was born, he knew that's what he wanted to do. 
He quickly invested in lighting equipment and he launched a mobile photography business, but the lack of security made it tough with a young family to support. He then took on a job as a photographer at a branch of a popular photography studio in the UK, where he had the chance to experience running a studio business. Now, armed with that experience and a bank loan, in 2008, he launched tailor-made portraits. And although it was a good first year, the following two years were tough and took him to the point of giving it all away. Then, at a photography expo in 2013, he discovered a new style of newborn photography. He took a leap of faith invested every last penny of his remaining savings in training with an internationally acclaimed newborn photographer and Baby Art Studios was born. This new business model changed everything. Bookings and sales were through the roof and his prices tripled. He had found his differentiator and his niche. Today, he has 11 studios in the UK and the goal is to open 100 studios worldwide. I'm talking about Brendan Taylor, founder and CEO of Baby Art Studios, and I am wrapped to have him here with us now. Brendan, welcome. Hey, how you doing? Good, mate. How does it feel to you listening to that story back? Does it feel like it's you? Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's lovely. To, I mean, I'm a very grounded person, though, so like, um, it's lovely to hear back, but it's also, um, it's not gone without its hard work and efforts, you know what I mean? And I haven't done it on my own either, so when people say Brendan Taylor, it is, yeah, okay, my name is the founder and whatnot, but... I have an absolutely amazing team and people around me that allowed us to get where we are. From my mum babysitting our children at a young age for us to be able to to build the business for my other half, Kaylee's parents. So you mentioned in the intro there about uh, the bank loan. It was actually a bank loan from the, the father-in-law. Well, they got a bank loan out in their name because we just couldn't get the credit back then. So without them, we wouldn't be where we are now. So like, it was a great team of people around us. And then the team that we've had over the you know 14 years has allowed us to get to where we are so it's definitely not the brendan show it's a it's a, it's a full team effort <laughs> for sure for sure i mean would do you and your wife kaylee do you guys ever sit back you know over a cup of tea or a coffee and think you know wow look how far we've come like this is amazing or is it just like looking forward yeah for 100 percent looking forward you know so the reason so the baby art was born exactly as you said in the intro we went along to the expo we found this new niche this baby photography however the bump to baby package and baby art studios was born off the back, unfortunately, of the loss of our second baby. Um, so we had Lacey, who was our inspiration for tailor-made portraits, as you mentioned. And then, unfortunately, we lost baby Lewis. And it was off the back of losing our little boy where we decided that every parent in the UK and possibly in the world has to have the opportunity of creating these memories that we didn't get to do because you'd never know, you know, you never know if you're going to be able to create these memories or not. So for us, it's so important that you capture the pregnancy, the early stages of baby, right through to baby's first year and beyond, because yeah, it's a very special and, you know, close to us that we want to be able to give that as a service and not just a product. Sure. But that to me, that sounds like the catch cry of someone who's going to discount their photography. You know, every mother should have or every mother-to-be should have these photos of their, their pregnancy, their newborn baby. That to me sounds like, yeah, like I said, the catch cry of a, a discount-based photographer studio. Uh, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. We open our doors to all walks of life and for people that have all different budgets. We don't discriminate. We have something for somebody that can't afford a lot and then we have something that can, you know, for, for somebody that can afford to spend lots for us, our income, our sole income is from our photography. So, you know, we have our, the way we live and 
you know, to be able to do the things that we want to do and stuff is we have to have a successful business, but we're not money driven. Uh, I'm success driven more than I am money driven. So it's not about how much money we've got in the bank. It's about, you know, how successful I feel I am as an individual, but also we're driven by customer satisfaction. You know, when a customer leaves a five-star review or they leave a bunch of flowers behind or, or, you know, that, you know, they say how, what an amazing experience they've had. That's what we do it for. And the money comes naturally because we are customer focused and not bank focused. So yeah, it's really important that we recognize that it's, 100% about the customer and not about us. And we will benefit off the back of that long term. I love that. I'm going to ask you more about pricing and how you sort of do your qualifying process shortly. But do you still run a studio yourself? Because it sounds like you, because you have franchises or franchisees, don't you? Correct. So I have two of my own studios. So I have the Ipswich studio, which is where it all began. And then we got also another studio in Bedfordshire in the UK, which is also mine and Kaylee's. And then the other nine are franchised out to other people. So I won't bore you too much, but the reason we decided to go down the franchise route is because after Lewis, we had two more children, Ruby May and Rowan. Ruby May is deaf and Rowan is autistic. And it was um, the, having the challenges of them at a young age that stopped us from opening more of our own studios earlier on. We peaked with Ipswich. We got to the point where we were fully booked. We were making good money. And it was like, we need to open another studio. But with all of Rowan's and Ruby's special needs, it was just more like we just haven't got the energy and and everything to be able to do that. So why not franchise? And that's when we went down the franchise route. Now, I love my franchisees to bits, but if you ask me, would I go down the franchise route again or open more of my own studios, I wouldn't do franchising. It's been hard. It's been very, very difficult because you're working with lots of different people with different personalities and and whatnot and I'm not trained in that I'm all self-taught everything from the photography to the business I've got no qualifications from school college university nothing and I've learned lots along the way but people are difficult um, very very difficult and the franchise world is very very hard so if you ask me if I'd do it all over again yes I would but I would have opened more own studios it would have been easier doing that than it would going down the franchise route even with the two disabled children Right. Wow. Okay. So listening to your own advice right now, did you get that advice from your father-in-law or, you know, some other business operator when you were thinking about franchising? No, nothing. It was just me and Kaylee. My father-in-law, Kaylee's dad is a a very um, successful businessman, importing and exporting, you know, through all over the world. Um, Nothing to do with retail or photography or anything like that at all. So he knows business, but nothing to do with this type of world or franchise or anything like that at all and i'm not gonna lie we completely winged it from day one like we was just winging life you know we made lots of mistakes along the way uh excuse my am i allowed to swear can you be but out you can be yourself yeah we pissed a lot of people off along the way i think you know if you ask anybody in the industry in the uk do you know brendan taylor I go yeah prick um <laughs> really don't like the guy really yeah um and if you ask them why We've had this discussion many, many times with many people. If you ask them why, they can't actually tell you. And there's not a reason why. They heard something from somebody that somebody doesn't like this or whatever. (laughs) No one can pinpoint anything. I think what it was, and this isn't me being arrogant, I think what it was is the newborn photography world is predominantly run by by females. I'm not a sexist person at all. It's a heavily female-run industry. Then big bad ogre Brendan came in and just shook it upside down. And people were trying to be, you know, make a success out of their business for many years. I came in and within a couple of years started franchising and 
hitting very, very good sales averages and whatnot, and then started talking about business in forums, talking numbers, conversion rates, average sales, and that got people's backs up. And, you know, I'm not diagnosed yet, but we think that I'm very much on the spectrum because of everything that we've learned from my son being autistic. Very much think I'm ADHD, if nothing else, but I've got no label as such. But I have also no filter. So when I'm in a photography forum and someone's talking about the fluff, oh, I've got this prop, or I'm going to buy this, and their babies are posed like this. <laughs> like I'm like, hang your camera up, go get some training, then come back and start again type thing. And yeah, people just bah, jump on me. Like, how dare you say that they need to hang their camera up and da-da-da. Or, you know, I'm thinking about doing all images on a disc for £99. Like, you know, what does everybody else do? I'm like, just go get some business training, come back and do it. Like, and yeah, like people don't like my my straightforward approach. But why do you think people or photographers get so upset when you bring the business side of things into those forums? Why don't they want to talk about conversion rates and sales? Because photographers are photographers and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Like the photographers in our industry, in the newborn industry, some of them are absolutely fantastic artists. They're the engineers. They're the people that, that create this amazing artwork that we see all over the internet. But that's what they are. They're photographers. They're not business people. I happen to fall in love with the business side of things, probably more than the photography, even though I believe I'm quite good at the photography as well. Not the baby stuff as such. I've never done the posing of the babies. That was our staff that, that done that. But I fell in, I had more of a passion for the business side of things and understanding how the business works. And I, I see it as a game. I love it. I just like that. I love the fact, you know, I want to be better than what we done last month. I want more and I want the conversion rates to go up or whatever it is. And I felt that the passion came from that more than the artistic side of the photography. And yeah, I just fell in love with spreadsheets and, and Google Sheets and numbers and, and all of that and just become an absolute geek when it comes to sheets and numbers and I was just obsessed with it and yeah and I just love it and I just love the fact that we just kept doing better than the month before and yeah I didn't bother looking at other people I didn't keep my eye on competition because I don't believe there's such thing I think there's plenty of room for everyone Uh, and just focused on us and just making sure that we were would be in the best that we can be and yes like I say we got things a lot wrong along the way but we just put our head down, ass up, and just completely just focused on what we were in control of. So good. You know, you, you talked about their other photographers in the UK. If they, they say your name and ask if they know you, you get some pretty interesting responses or you'd hear interesting responses. I was listening to a, a golf podcast of all things yesterday and the interviewer was talking about the fact that someone said something horrible on Instagram and he said he felt like, you know, crawling into his cave and staying there for a week. You're living with this day by day, like every day. How do you cope with that? So my other half actually gets quite upset and angry with it in some cases because if I didn't have such a tough exterior, like it's borderline bullying. It actually really is. Like if you see some of the comments that people were saying, he's grotesque, he's a, he's a vile human being, like some really, really like dark words and stuff wow. uh, kicking me out of the forums so there's no way of me defending myself in them like they, they all it's very pitchforky it feels like you know they've come out with their pitchforks but again like you ask them what is it you don't like and no one can no one can say anything there's literally not a reason anyone would think i was a mass murderer or something <laughs> like you know honestly you, you you laugh but i'm telling you go to the forum and just say does anybody had a friend in taylor here watch what happens <laughs> just everybody will have their own opinion but no one can say 
what I've done. Um, some people say that, you know, I speak down to women and things like that. I absolutely adore women. I've got my daughters, my other half, like I've got nothing against women at all. It's just the fact, yeah, I, I have a bit of a sharp tongue sometimes. And if somebody's talking fluff and I, and I just feel they need to be talking other things, like I'll just say it. And I'll just say like, you need to, you need to stop worrying about what props you're going to buy and start focusing on your numbers. Because no matter how many cute props you've got, no matter who you've been to training with, no matter how good your equipment is, I don't care if you've got a gold-plated toilet for your customers to take it on. Like, it makes no difference. If they don't know who you are and you're not marketing yourself well enough and you don't know your numbers, like, your business just won't succeed. Like, concentrate on your business. Concentrate on understanding some numbers and stuff first. Then go back to the fluff afterwards because – but I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Sure. I'm going to ask you about becoming a success shortly. Um, you talked about if you had your time over, you wouldn't go into franchising. Are you continuing with the franchising? Are you still signing up new franchisees? So at the moment, yes. We've just literally just signed another one for South London here in the UK. That will be opening in March. We're on a proof of concept trial with a big photography company here in the UK that have approached us. And I used to work with them. I won't mention names, but the biggest photography kind of company in the uk that works with other photographers produces leads and sells data and stuff to photographers and whatnot well i used to do business with them come away from them to do baby art tried to do business together over a period of the last five or six years and never been able to actually do anything it just didn't work and then they approached us this time and just said look we like what you're doing. No one else is doing anything like this. They're not hitting consecutive numbers the way you are. Like, how do we make this work? We sat down. We've had a chat with, we're in a little trial thing at the moment. Will it work? I don't know. At the moment, it feels like putting oil and water together. It's just not gelling very well. Um, so I don't know if the trial will be a success or not. But I believe if we don't test it, we can't measure it. And if we can't measure it, we can't manage it. And we've got to... Um, We've got to test it to see if it works. And if it does, it could mean big things and great things. And if it doesn't, at least we give it a go. Sure. I love that. Why would a photographer or a studio, let's say a photographer, mm -hmm. you know, someone like me, why would I become a franchisee? What's the advantage for me? Well, for our franchise, what we offer is, as far as I'm aware, like no other, especially in the photography world, but we take over all the marketing. We guarantee 120 bookings a year. That's guaranteed in your contract, 120 bookings a year, which is a quarter of a million pounds worth of turnover a year, pretty much, if you follow the model and you do the 120 bookings and you hit the averages that we have a SLA, a service level agreement. We have minimum performance clauses within there, which as long as you follow the model, the process and the structures that we put together, you'll get those numbers. Every one of our studios are doing that. And it's proof, hence why other people are interested in getting involved. But we guarantee you a minimum of 120 bookings a year. There's no cap there, um, but a minimum of 120. We do all your marketing fear. We do all your follow-up. We book every client into your system. And then once they're booked in, they've been filtered. They've gone through what we call Kaplunk. I don't know if you remember the old game Kaplunk. I do, yeah. With the pins and needles and the marbles. That's what we call our, our funnel system is Kaplunk. So... We take all of our clients through there, we filter them, and then once they've been filtered and they're ready to book, we book them in for the package, and then we hand them over to you for you to take on the actual photography side of it. So it's literally, all you need to do is take pictures and sell them in the ordering session. We do everything else. 
That's the benefit. Right. It sounds amazing. So is it for a photographer who is no good at business or doesn't want to focus on business, who wants to just do the lovely photos? Like who's it actually for? So some of our franchises are, are business owners, uh, entrepreneurs. We've got a family that came in in our Wolverhampton studio. They are pharmacists. They're from a pharmaceutical background. Never touched a camera before in their life. They've just won the awards our um, conference this year for um, like one of the biggest the biggest sales out of the whole group. They're, they're the top. Never touched a camera before in their life. They've been trained in house and they've been with us for two years. And you know they're just husband and wife. They do two and a half days a week, and they've turned just shy of a quarter of a million pounds this year. And yeah, they're very happy. They've now just, they've moved out of their location, but they're about to move out of their location that they first took on with Baby Art. They've just bought a big apartment that has got two flats upstairs and they're putting the studio on like on the bottom floor and the basement. Um, Baby Art's allowed them to do that in two years, you know, buy a, you know, an apartment and all sorts. Um, one of our other franchisees, I think you actually know him, you've spoken to him, is Henny. Oh, Yes. Yeah, so he come from a, a wedding background and marketing and stuff. So he's never he never touched a baby before in his life or studio photography. He's also one of our top performing studios, a one-man band, turning over the same amount of money on his own, which is fantastic. And then we've got other people that have been photographers for 30 years and have come in because they just want, you know, the way of the industry and everything and Facebook and social media and stuff has gone way over their head. I mean, you're talking, you know, 60-year-old photographers that have been in it for a long, long time, just can't get to grips with all the new technology and social media. So they're like, I still want to take pictures. I just can't do the marketing side of things anymore. And that's been a reason for them to come in. So there's all, all different types of people coming in, from photography businesses to freelance photographers to no photography experience whatsoever. So all different types of people have come in. Right. So you, you talked a lot about the leads that do the marketing and things. Do you actually teach them how to do or how to take the kind of photos that Baby Art Studios is known for as well? Correct. Yeah. So that when you come on board with Baby Art, you have a five-day intense training in-house and then a 12-week program of pre-launch before we allow you to be let loose on full paying clients. So you do five days intense training at our HQ and then 12 weeks of model calls and whatnot until you're signed off by our head baby whisperer, which is my other half, Kaylee. So once she's, um, she, she'll assess your work and jump on Zoom calls and stuff with you and, and critique your work and get you to a level where we're happy. And then we'll start booking you full paying clients. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So as an example, I mean, it looks to me like you guys uh, rely a lot on Facebook ads. So you run all the ads yourself, you bring the leads in Correct. and then they go through Kerplunk or your funnel. So and then do they go automatically into your franchisee's CRM or do they just get an email? Hey, here's a new lead to start chasing up. Like what happens? Yeah. So we use HubSpot CRM, absolutely fantastic bit of kit, very expensive, but I can't find anything else that can do what HubSpot does for yeah no love nor money so hubspot is what we use but all the studios are in there so a lead will come into hubspot we'll deal with a baby at hq to the point where it becomes a booking then you'll get a task in your task manager to say a booking's been made you need to reach out to them within 72 hours because that's part of our 30 steps to successful customer journey is um yeah so you'll call them within 72 hours and introduce yourself as their local studio and you're going to be the one that follows them through their year journey and, and create these beautiful memories for them. 
Right. So at that point there, when they go into HubSpot for the studio, let's say I'm one of the franchises on the studio, I get the notification in HubSpot. Has anyone from Babyout actually spoken to that client or they've just gone through a digital funnel? Oh, no, they've been spoken to. Yeah, the filtration system is is very much. So it's, it's about 12 to 15 t- uh, step touch points. So you might have to bleep this one out, but <laughs> part of our training that we do is um, – I'll ask this in an open room if I'm training people or I'll ask it one-on-one, but I'll ask somebody, do you fuck on first dates? <laughs> uh, and that always gets a response, right? It always like you'll laugh, like some people, <gasps> whatever, but it always gets a response. It wakes people up, especially if you're in a room training or whatever and people just got their notepads. Do you fuck on first dates? Everybody's ears prick up, what? What's going on? And I'm like, you'll get some people try to be funny, go, yeah, maybe after a few drinks I might. Um, and you are the minority of people that will book through an automated system, right? A very small minority of people will do that. However, most people want to build a relationship. Most people want to build trust. No one's getting married on the first date, right? You want to speak to them. You want to get to know them. You want to learn to love them. And then you might say yes if they get down on one knee. And that's how we look at taking our customers through a sales process before we expect them to book with us. They need to love us. They need to trust us that, you know, we're going to be taking, uh, we're going to be, a part of a very special journey in their life, a very personal journey. You know, some of the people that we work with us have similar stories to us. We're working with their rainbow babies, you know, very, very sensitive subjects. And we don't want them to just book us because they've seen an offer on Facebook. We don't show our prices on our website. And that's not because we're scared of people not booking or anything like that at all. It's because we want to have a conversation with you before you decide to make a booking or not. We don't want you to say, I don't want to book with them because they're too expensive. Or we don't want you to go, yeah, they're cheap enough for us to go to. I want to see if we connect. And I'm not afraid to say, sorry, we're not the right people for you. Because the people that are the right people for us value what we do. They value our time and our training and what we give as a service. And then they pay the money that what we sell our products for. Sure. So is that you or Kaylee or someone in the team at Baby Out HQ that's having that conversation? Or does that the money and the pricing side, does that go down to the actual studio owner? That is all done pre-studio. So wow, uh, a lot of the sales part. So I was taught from a fantastic entrepreneur and trainer, James, uh, Matt Elwell. Um, Matt, I'm not sure if you've heard of him, but he's fantastic uh, from Birmingham in the UK. He's got a book called Open With A Close. He teaches some amazing, amazing tactics in sales. And something that he taught me that I love is, you know, selling is serving. Serving the client is really, really important, not selling to them. And one thing that he taught me, which I've embedded into our, our culture, is that selling is hard work in brackets, right? It's not hard selling, it's hard work. Closing is easy and selling and closing are two separate things. What we find that most people do in the traditional salesman, the car salesman or photographers, especially one of the well-known worldwide franchises that was in the photography industry, were given a bad rep for hard sales. Uh, not baby photography, by the way, just a family portrait franchise company. It got very bad rep for bad sales. And what we find a lot of photographers tend to do, they expect people to marry them on a first date. And they'll do as little as possible to get them in the door. So they'll do easy selling and hard closing. And then they push the sale and do not love your child enough to have your picture up on the wall type thing. Like all the horrible shit that we've heard before where we flip the script. We do all the hard work at the beginning where we lose lots of people 
We don't allow people through the door if we're not the right fit. We don't do it immorally or, in, you know, we're not rude, but we just filter them out nicely at the front end so that the people that come in, the close is simple, like easy. These are wanting pictures on the wall. These are wanting to invest 2000 for, you know, two and a half thousand pounds on their pictures. But we have to do the hard work first, which is the relationship building at the first. Um, so that we don't just have a one night stand because we want these people to be able to, you know, refer us, come back, use us over and over again. And we've seen families, you know, I, when I worked at Olam Mills, which is the company that I worked with before I opened my own studio, I photographed a child at Olam Mills and they've followed me all the way through tailor-made portraits into baby art. And I've photographed two of her babies as an adult and I followed her as a child at Olam Mills. Wow. And we get repeat customers, like, you know, all the time. We get lots and lots of repeat customers, and that's that's what we're about. Love that's not, like I said, it's not conveyor belt. Well, and I can see on, you know, a lot of the promos that you run, you talked about one there earlier too, was it uh, Bump to Baby? I mean, you're doing multiple sessions with your clients through their journey. It's not just the once and done. Correct, yeah. And also... This is a, a thing for your listeners and stuff. Like a lot of people will do a maternity shoot or a newborn shoot and then try and upsell a sitter session. Or if you buy this, you get this at a discounted rate or whatnot. But why not just sell it to them all at the beginning? Why not give it to them all at the beginning? Because then you've got four sale opportunities for them. Rather than trying to sell them another sale opportunity later on, why not just gift it to them at the beginning and then commit them to the, the whole lot? So they get the pregnancy shoot, the newborn shoot, the one-year-old shoot, the two-year-old shoot, whatever. Pregnancy, newborn, sitters, and first birthday. Perfect. And then they will graduate from their first birthday session into what we call Watch Me Grow Plus, and then we'll follow them from two, three, and four, and then we'll let them go to the school photographers. Right. And so these are basically gifted sessions because it gives you another sales opportunity. It gives you a chance to, to connect and produce beautiful work for them. Well, they, they buy the package to begin with. So bump to baby or watch me grow. They buy that at the beginning, which is 199, 199 pounds. So if you broke it down over the sessions, 50 pound a session, mm-hmm. um, people go, that's too cheap. Okay. If, if, <laughs> if you think so, um, but I've just generated free sale opportunities because we do the bump and the baby together as one. Right. Then we do the session separately and the first birthday session separately. So three separate sale sessions over the course of one year period from one client, which means I don't need to market and go out and find three separate clients. I find one client and reuse them three times. Love it. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. Do you have to deal with franchisees without naming names? I mean, do you pull your hair out sometimes when a franchisee says, you know, you give me these leads, but I just can't get sales or I just can't convert them or, you know, there's something wrong with these leads. Do you hear those kind of things? Yeah, we do. Normally, if we do a big promotion or a giveaway or something and, and the leads come in cheaply, so rather than paying the 199 package fee, we do a, what we call a Facebook Live, which has been absolutely a massive success and would love to touch on that at some point during this and and give your listeners an opportunity to be able to go away and implement something similar to their business because it's huge. But they come in cheap and some of our franchisees will notice if they've come in via a cheap entry point or a full paying entry point. And if they get a low sale off a cheap entry point, they go ask because they're cheap, they're crap. But the other 80, 90% of the, the group are getting the same averages from these entry points. So it's a mindset thing. It's like you think because they came in cheap, they're going to be cheap. Um, and then what the first thing that we do is let's go back to step one. 
well, actually step four, because the first four steps of our 30 steps success is HQ covered. You, as the studio, take over from step four. So we go, right, let's go back and listen to the first call, the 72-hour call. Let's see, uh, listen, listen to the fire-up call. Let's listen to all the processes that we've put in place to see if where this breaks down. Because if this is broken down in the sales room, if, if they've not spent a lot in the sales room, I guarantee you 110% on my life, on my kid's life, it won't be what went wrong in the sales room. It'll be somewhere before the sales room where it fell apart. So let's look at the 72-hour call. Let's look at the fire-up call. Let's look at the signposting and let's see where you potentially fell down. And if you didn't, and it's become consistent, we'll hold our hands up and go, okay, it's the quality of the leads, but we've not had anyone yet prove us that it's the quality of the leads that's a problem. It's they've missed the part of the process. And it sounds very cliche, but if you put a machine with 30 cogs on a wall and you take one cog out, it just stops working. And that's exactly like our system. We have a strict 30-step process. And if you miss one step because you think, I don't need to do that on this one, like it will, it will break. Makes sense. That makes sense. I asked you about the benefits for the franchisee. What are the negatives? Like, Why wouldn't a franchise work or suit some photographers? Three reasons. Number one, ego. Um, and what I mean by that is if you're Joe Bloggs Photography and you've been Joe Bloggs Photography for 15 years, and you're humming and hawing, do I take a baby out of franchise? Do I not? It looks really, really good, but I'm going to have to lose my sign above my door, Joe Bloggs Photography, and change it to Baby Art Studios. I lose my identity. Don't really want to do that. That's a big thing for people, which is ego as well. Because if you're contemplating Baby Art, there's a reason why you're contemplating it, because your business isn't where you want it to be. So don't let your ego get in the way, because... By changing that sign from Joe Blocks Photography to Baby Art Studios could make a massive difference to your life, your family's life, your, you know, just everything. And some people choose not to do it for that reason. Another reason is, is people just don't like the idea of giving away some of their money. You know, like we take 15% royalties from all your sales. So some people go, well, I don't want to give 15% away. I can do this on my own. So then do it on your own. Well done. Like if you can do that, fantastic. Like, no problem with that at all. But, you know, and I don't mean that I, this is probably where I get my bad rep, you see. Say what you're thinking. <laughs> uh, most people can't do what we do. And the reason they can't, and this is no offense to them, but they're one person. We have a team of people. We have a marketing department. We have an accounts department. We have you know, a web development department. We have a follow-up department. We have like, you know, we have all of these people. When you own a photography business as a single person, you own a glorified job. You own a job, you don't own a business. Because if you owned a business or a company, you should be able to go on holiday and I should still be, I should be able to call your number, get through to somebody, book a shoot and go there whilst you're sitting on the beach. If you are sitting on the beach and your doors are shut because you're sat on the beach. You don't own a business. You own a job and you're on and you're taking time off. True. You know, if you break your leg or your arm and you have to shut your door because you can't work, then you don't own a business. You own a job. And lots of us, especially us as photographers, we own multiple jobs. We are editors. We are salespeople. We're photographers. We're web developers. We're marketeers. We're husbands and wives and mums and dads and cleaners. And we have to wear all these multiple hats. 
how can we give 100% of ourselves to our client when we're split between seven or eight different parts of the job each day? And then when do we get time to work on the business? Because we're too busy working in the business. And then we're just on that everlasting hamster wheel where we feel like we're super busy and we get to the end of the week and go, I'm knackered, done so much this week, but I haven't got anywhere. Like I haven't got anywhere. I haven't got the, like I didn't get to put the Facebook posts out. I didn't get to update the blog. I didn't get to do this. So now next week I need to do all that. And while I'm doing all that next week, guess what? There's no money coming in the business because I'm not doing shoots and viewings because I'm doing the website and the blog and everything else and just vicious cycle. But a lot of people don't like handing some of their hats over. And I get it. Like it took me a long time to get out of the sales room. To get out of the viewing room, it took me a long time because that was my baby. Like I was great at sales. I thought that was the most important part of the job because that's where the money was made. It took me a long time to get out of the viewing room, but it was the best thing I ever did. I don't do anything with my studio anymore. It runs itself with my staff and my team and I can go on holiday for six months if I want to and it will run the day I left to the day I come back. It will be running the same way. Amazing, amazing. I think you touched on everything, but you said there were three things. Was that two or three that you shared? Reasons why Yeah, people- so sorry. So there was ego and their brand as one type thing. And number two was the money side of things. So the two and one and two was ego and the brand. And number uh, three was don't want to give up some of their money. Um, just, yeah, it, it just, they just don't, they don't like the idea of, they don't see the value of all the other bits because they don't do it because they don't do marketing. They stick a five pound boosted post on Facebook and think that's marketing. They don't understand what goes into marketing and the follow-up procedure. You know, I work with a couple of Australian photographers and within week one of us doing a coaching session, we we went from a 3% conversion rate to a 12% conversion rate. We went from a $500 cost per booking to $112 cost per booking in week one. Wow. So those two would affect each other, wouldn't they? So if you're converting more clients, the cost per lead comes down. Of course. Yeah. And all I taught in week one was have a conversation with these people because it was all automated. And, you know, conversation number one was an automated email went out. Then email number two went out and then a follow-up text message went out. And if there was no response or reply to any of those, they went on to the next one. And, you know, and she was on a 3% conversion because 3% of the population will fuck on a first date. That is it. Like People will, but the other 97%, they want to build a relationship. And it was funny because this person was like, I don't know how to have a conversation. I don't know how to have the conversation to take them through the process. Yeah. It's quite scary, right? Like we don't know how to talk to somebody like, you know, and we just went over some of the the questions that we should ask and remember that we shouldn't be telling people things. We should be asking powerful questions because I believe telling is selling. Uh, Asking powerful questions is, is what we should be doing. If the prospect Uh, This is from Matt Elwell again, so uh, homage to him for some of these bits I'm using. But if the prospect is in choice, we are in control of the conversation. Um, So if the prospect is in full choice of how they answer the question, then we are in control of how we lead the conversation. And the way we do this is avoid the yes and no answers, which they call binip. So we binip people around the office. So if you say to me, Brendan, would you like a cup of tea? I'll say binip, yes or no. But BINIP stands for bringing no into play. So if we understand that we've asked a question that can bring no into play, we will BINIP ourselves to understand that we've asked that question. And we want to be asking questions using five W's and a H technique. So either what, when, where, which, who, or how. 
what, when, where, which, who, or how. So rather than, Brendan, would you like your tea? Um, Brendan, would you prefer, do you want a hot drink or cold drink? Or what drink would you like, a hot one or a cold one? You know, how do you want your tea? Do you know what I mean? Like, rather than just do you want a tea or coffee? Yes. <laughs> so simple. So simple but powerful at the same time. A lot of it is common knowledge but not common practice as well, right? We know, like, I've just gone through a massive, massive weight loss journey, had uh, gastric bypass surgery in February. I'm 13 stone down since February. Don't know how many kilos that is for you Australians. A lot, uh, a lot. <laughs> a lot, like um, more than you probably. And, uh, you know, I knew I shouldn't be eating the burgers and the stuff that I was, but we do it anyway. And it's the same with in the business. We should on ourselves a lot. And what I mean by that is we know we should be doing this, but we don't. I know I should be putting some more ads out on Facebook, but I don't know how to, so I won't. I know I should be updating the website or doing a blog or putting some collateral together to send out in the post, but I just don't get around to doing it. So we should on ourselves all the time. And that's one thing we say, don't sh on yourself, which is should on yourself, <laughs> not shit on yourself. And there's a great technique that you can do for this. And again, if you cut this up and use this for your listeners or whatever, but the don't should on yourself, write this down. You do, I should do whatever, right? So I should be putting more ads out on Facebook. And then after you've written that down, don't say it, actually write it on a piece of paper. But once you've written that down, Read it back to yourself and ask yourself how it makes you feel knowing that you should be putting more stuff out on Facebook or Instagram or whatever you should be doing. I should stop eating burgers, whatever it might be. Read it back to yourself and it's like, makes you feel a little bit like shit. Like I know I should be doing it. Then write the same sentence out, but just cross out the word should and change it to I could, right? So I could be putting more ads out on Facebook. I could stop eating the burgers, Right? I could stop smoking as much. I could stop drinking as much. Whatever the should is, to could. Then read that back to yourself. And it feels a little bit lighter now because like, I could do this. I could actually do it. Then for the third one, cross the word could out and now change it to I can. And then because I can put some more stuff out on Facebook because I'm going to block out some time in my diary to make sure that I can do this. I can stop eating the burgers because if I give myself a bit of extra time, I can cook some fresh food. I can stop smoking because every time I want a cigarette, I'm going to take the kids over the park or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so it's, I should, I could, I can, because I like it and read that back to yourself. I should do this. That makes you feel, oh, yeah, I, sh I really should be doing this. I could be doing this. Okay. I can do this because, and that's when you read those, same sentences back to yourself. It's quite powerful stuff. So yeah, don't shoot on yourself. Is that what you've done through your weight loss journey? Uh, well, obviously I cheated, if you like, by having the surgery, but it's no cheating. If anyone's ever done it or thinking about doing it, it's no quick fix. I don't think, yes, all right, the weight loss is quick, but the journey is not, you know, you're still up here. Um, it's a journey, but I've got my life back. The kids have got their dad back. My other half's got their husband back, like, definitely worth it but yeah and it is each day as it comes i should i could and i can because um and yeah really really important wow i've never heard that um brendan i want to take you back to the conversations and the fact that you know you had this conversation with a photographer that was struggling they didn't know how to have a conversation when you say conversation do you literally mean 
getting on the phone? Or is it an email exchange, a message exchange? So ideally on the phone, but we know that a lot of people nowadays have phone phobia because they're WhatsApping and messaging all day long. And especially in our industry, our target audience for us are women aged 21 to 35. And women aged 21 to 35 are on their phones all the time. Uh, very stereotypical, I understand, but we know our avatar down to a T. We know Sarah, who's 21 to 35 years old. We know where she works. We know what car she drives. We know where her husband works, like all of this kind of information as in an av- avatar. And we know she's on her phone. So why not send her a WhatsApp? Why not send her a text message or a bomb bomb and a, hi, Sarah, how you doing? Or a voice note, because that's what she's used to. She's not necessarily used to speaking on the phone for ages nowadays because so people are just texting all the time. So we've moved with the time and understand our clientele. So we'll text or we'll WhatsApp. Ideally, we want to get you on the phone, but we want to build that relationship up first, speak to them like we're good friends. And then when it comes to asking them to get on the phone, they're not nervous anymore because they know us. They know Chelsea. They know they're speaking to Chelsea. And when they speak, it's, hi, Sarah, it's Chelsea. Oh, hi, Chelsea. And their conversation is like they've known each other forever. If we just try and ring somebody out of the blue and they don't know us, don't know that number, like not answering. So, yeah, we build the relationship to begin with via text because we just know our clientele, but we close it on the phone, yeah. We want to we want to speak to them up. Right. So, I mean, I'm hearing, and I'm guessing you would hear this too nonstop, is it pretty much what you alluded to, the fact that so many clients don't want to get on the phone. They just do not want to talk on the phone or even photographers don't want to talk on the phone. But it sounds like your ultimate goal in every marketing situation is to take people from text or messaging or WhatsApp to an actual phone. Well, you have to get the client on the phone. Is that right? So, yeah. So what, what do you, not necessarily, we close people via text as well, if, if that makes sense to do so, but ideally we want to get on the phone. But what do you think might be the reason why photographers don't want to get on the phone, for example? My hunch is they're either in the same demographic that the clients are, they're, they're used to being on the phone, they don't like getting phone calls. But uh, my hunch is they don't want to be rejected. They don't want to get the no or the hang up or I'm not interested. They don't want to feel like a cold caller. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there. And I think that's what it is. And again, it's mindset. Think about this, right? If you're calling people out of the phone book, you're cold calling. If somebody's giving you their phone number on a form that you've put on the internet for somebody to say, if you're interested, give me your information. Why are we feeling like we're cold calling these people? They've reached out to us and said, here's my phone number. If they've not given you the phone number and they've given you an email address, then you email them. But if they've given you a phone number, why would they give you your phone number if they didn't want to communicate via a phone? Like, if you don't want to speak to somebody on a phone, just don't put the phone number on the form. But as me as a client or potential client, if you've asked for my phone number, I've given it, and you don't use it, like, what was the point asking for my phone number? Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, like, and we put it on our forms, right? Tell a mobile number. Like, and they go, okay, I'll give you my mobile number. And if it's not a mandatory field, if it's an optional field and they're giving you their phone number, we need to ring them. We need to call them. They've said, like, here's my number. Right. So is that what you do? So your phone number isn't mandatory? So our phone number is mandatory on our forms. Right. On some of them. So, yeah, our phone number is because we want to talk to you. Right. Okay. We're not afraid to pick up the phone. So we want to talk to you. But what I'm saying is if you don't want to speak to people as the photographer, don't ask for their mobile number. What's the point? Because what was the point? That's another step they have to potentially come away from your form because the more things they have to fill in, the more likely they're not going to do it. 
So why ask for a mobile number if you're not going to use it? Yeah, I agree. Like, just don't ask for it. Just ask for their email address. Like, don't ask for their phone number. If you're not going to be willing to speak to them on the phone, don't ask for it. Because why did I even give you my mobile number? Yeah. What about asking, you know, in the form, please give us your phone number so I can message you if you want to message. Okay, yeah. Yeah, maybe in that case, please leave your email address, your telephone number, drop down menu. How would you like to hear from us? Phone, text, email, and let them tell you, you know, but... By asking that question, you're saying, we are going to contact you. How would you like us to do so? Yes, I like it. Yep. But if they then select phone, you can't go, shit, I don't <laughs> want to ring them. I'm going to text them instead because then why ask that question? Like, if you don't want to speak to somebody, how would you like us to contact you, email or text message? Right. Yeah. It's simple when you say it. It is. But I want to be conscious of your time, but you dropped a bit of a banger earlier. You said Facebook Live promos. Ask me about that. I want to share that. Let's just jump into that before I have to let you go. No, yeah. Um, I don't know about your day, but if you need to ask me anything else while you got me, feel free to do so, right? Because I'm here for you on this. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so the Facebook Live thing was born in lockdown. Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. Brendan, you're an incredible guest, mate. I can't believe we haven't connected earlier. Just for your peace of mind, if it even matters, the photographers in Australia that told me about you only had good things to say. I didn't hear the word prick once. And they're all, <laughs> you've got to get him on the show. I hope we can do this again. I know I'm going to ask you about your franchises mm -hmm. and how people can learn more about those. Do you actually teach or train people in the business of photography as well? Yeah, so I don't advertise it. So the people I coach, I don't, I'm not a coach as in I don't advertise myself as a coach. I don't have a website. I don't have no funnels. I don't have no email sequences or anything to try and sign you up to my coaching. I've spoken a few rooms and on Clubhouse during lockdown and stuff and a few people have said, Look, I need to get into your brain. Like, how can I do it? Um, I have a call with them. I give them an hour or two of my time to answer any questions that they've got. And if they want to continue the calls after that, we've negotiated what I believe my time is worth um, to make it worth my while to take it out of the business or to take it away from my, my family. Like obviously with the Australian as well, obviously it's a nighttime thing, which I don't mind anyway, to be fair, I'm a night owl. But um, yeah, like I don't advertise myself as a coach. I have knowledge to share and to give, and I'm more than willing to do it. And I don't charge for it. If How do we get in touch with you to learn more about this? Just ping me a message. Just ping me a message. Like, I don't like if you want to let people know that they can ping me a message, fantastic. I didn't jump on this podcast. I don't put anything out on social media and stuff to get people to go, oh, I want, I want you to coach me. It's not about that at all. I just want to raise the bar for the industry. I want photographers to understand their self-worth and I want them to charge what they want to be able to live the life that they want and understand how important their time is. We don't get a lot of time on this planet. Um, just before we um, wrap this up, I shared this thing the other day and I'd like to, if I can, just read this out to you really quick. I know you're also struck for time as well. No, while you're looking for that, and just so the listener is fully aware, I had no idea that Brendan offers any kind of coaching. I was just fascinated by his story and the fact that um, he has these franchises. And, I, and I, don't, I don't offer coaching as such as in like, you won't be able to Google Brendan Taylor photography coach or anything like that at all. You won't find anything because I don't offer my, I'm not a coach. I just have knowledge that I'm happy to share. And, you know, um, 
I say I don't coach. I do coach. I coach very well because the people that I've worked with are getting fantastic results. But I don't advertise myself as a coach. I just, sure. I'm just me. And if you like what you hear and you, and you're happy to work with somebody that will tell you straight if you need to pull your socks up and <laughs> sort yourself out, then I'm your guy. But if, if you want fluff, um, I'm definitely not your guy um, because. Um, yeah, I will, I will tell you as it is. I think that's pretty clear, Brandon. And what about for a photographer that's interested in learning more about becoming a franchisee? Do they go to Baby Out Studios? They can, but at the moment we are pressing pause on taking more franchisees. We haven't made any public announcement as of yet, and we've not 100% confirmed it. But our plan, I think, for the future is to open more of our own studios rather than franchise it because, um, yeah, we've put a lot of time and effort probably five or six years now into the franchisee world and it's done great things for us. But I think for us to move forward and to for part of our own journey, the lack of control, when you own a franchise, you should control everything and own nothing, mm-hmm. right? That you should control everything and own nothing. That is a, a big, big thing in the franchise world. You should own the brand or the land and you should control everything but own nothing at all. And I feel that... The lack of knowledge and we in it, as I said earlier on in this talk, um, we we lost control along the way. And I just feel like for us to be able to to give the service and that what we want that we and to, to make sure we're serving our clients the way we want them served, the best way of doing that is just taking that control of of ourselves and not allowing somebody else to do it with with. So I don't know, obviously the listeners won't be able to see, but with this badge, the baby our heart. If you're wearing that, you should wear it with pride and you should serve your clients with a red carpet experience. And if you're not doing that, then we don't really want you as part of the group. And it's hard to manage people that have, you know, their own thing. Sure. It's difficult. It's difficult. So, um, yeah, we're not advertising for any more franchisees at the moment. We've got plans to open another. We're now about to open a third of our own studios. We're also might be worth another chat at another time, but we're buying 4D scanning clinics as well. We're opening our own scanning clinics as well as the photography businesses to fold more into the empire of pregnant women and babies and stuff. So, yeah. What do you mean scanning clinics? You mean like for a pregnancy scanning? Correct. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we're now looking to open in those. So wow. our business model, the baby art business model works off 120 sessions a year, 10 a month on average. The scanning clinic that we're now buying that we're hopefully going to be opening in January, finalizing some things at the moment, they're scanning in just in our local area, 120 to 150 women a month. Wow. We get the results off 10 shoots a month. Okay. So terrific leads so like and these people are going to be into our empire so like you know these pregnant people come into our scanning clinic yes why not gift them a free bumper baby package with their scan yep i love it and yeah like massive. i love it i love it but the bit that i was going to just go to um really quickly just to finish off somebody asked me the other day what is money brendan what is money uh, and i said money is time and they said, okay, in, when you say time, do you mean in as far as it buys you time or it costs you time in order to obtain it? And my answer was this, and which got lots of attention, good attention for a change. And my answer was both. But the game is to buy back as much time as possible, as quick as possible. Because we live on average. So in the UK, we live on average to a 79 years old as a man and we, and we retire at 65 so on average, we live 28,835 days. 
Now, if we work until the average retirement age of 65, that's 23,725 days of those 28,000 gone. And yes, we get 21 days paid holiday a year and some weekends off, a couple of days off during the week, but then it's back to work on Monday. And can I afford the holiday or can I afford the extra time off or can I afford the car that I want? Uh, Can I even afford to retire is some of the questions that we are asking ourselves. And I say, do you know what? Fuck that. Like literally fuck that. I don't want to live like that. Uh, So I'm putting in the graph now. I'm 37. Um, I've put in the graph now for the last 14 years of having our business. I'm putting the graft in now so that I can buy back as many days as possible. Because let's face it, if I retire at 65 and I live until I'm 79, so the average retirement age to the average life expectancy in the UK, that's if I manage to get out of getting cancer, getting hit by a bus, the dreaded COVID, and anything else that gets thrown in my way, I have 5,110 days left from the age of 65 to 79. And in those last 5,110 days, I'm going to be slowing down, right? From 65 to 79, it's going to be where we start to slow down a little bit. I mean, there's some 65-year-olds out there that are fit as a fiddle, but you know, some we're going to be slowing down. So imagine that, 5,110 days of freedom out of 28,835 days of our life. Not for me. Not for me. So for me, to summarize, time is money. And money is time. And either way, I need both. So I'm going to put in as much graft as now, build a solid team of A players because I can't do this on my own. I want people with the same vision. I want people with the same passion, the same culture of what we've got. And we will take them with us to the top. And I've made a promise to all of my staff that we've been with us from the beginning. I've got this written down. They've all got it written down. When we get this to the point where we want to take it, any outstanding mortgages that our staff have will be paid off. Um, you know, like we will pay their mortgages. If we get it to the point where we want to get it to and where we know we can, because we've got our plan, it's just going to take time to get there. When we get it to where we want to get it to, there's a small team of people, can't afford to pay off 100 people's mortgages, but there's about four or five of us that are in this at the beginning. Like we take them with us because without them, we don't have what we have now. So yeah, it's a game. It's a numbers game. And we're in the game to get as much time back as possible. Wow, that's, yeah, that is, like you said, the perfect way to finish this. May honestly, you've been an inspiration. I've loved every second of talking to you. I can't wait to have you back on already. I can't wait to share this with listeners in the new year. Massive, massive congrats on your success. And I'm so glad I found you, mate. So again, thanks for coming on and sharing what you have. Yeah, no, not a problem. And thank you for inviting me. It's, it's been great. First podcast interview type conversation that I've had. So I've enjoyed it. And I hope I haven't chewed your ear off too much because I do get quite excited and passionate about it when I'm talking about it. So yeah, sometimes you just have to tell me to shut up or give me a signal. Never, never, mate. That was awesome. Thanks, Brendan. Amazing guest. Cool. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Brendan as much as I did. Brendan, if you're listening, congratulations again on your success. Thank you so much for coming on, for sharing everything you did. I love the fact you didn't pull any punches and you were happy to answer anything I threw at you. So again, massive thanks and massive congrats on your success. I can't wait to see what the future holds for you. And I really am looking forward to the conversation to follow with listeners once they've had a chance to hear your interview. For you, the listener, I do hope you got a ton from what Brendan had to share. I'm looking forward to chatting with you about some of the things that he did talk about. Were they hard hitting? Were they some truths that you needed to hear? Or was it all 
okay, yeah, I know this stuff. Or was it the Facebook Lives that blew you away? Let me know in the comments area of the show notes. This week, they're at photobizx.com forward slash 502. Now, in addition to the comments area at the bottom of the show notes, I've got links to anything and everything that Brendan shared. I've also got examples of his fantastic work. It's all there in that one spot in the show notes, photobizx.com forward slash 502. And of course, if you are a premium member, I'll be adding Brendan into the members Facebook group so you have easy access to him there. Maybe you have a follow-up question. Maybe there was something I didn't ask that you wish that I did. Or if you just want to say thanks for coming on, you can do all that there inside the members Facebook group. I've got one big shout out for today's episode, and this is a a simple, lovely, easy review, but I so appreciate these reviews because they help other photographers find the podcast. And that's why I'm happy to add a backlink using a keyword phrase that you're looking to rank for in the show notes of the episode you get the shout out to help you with your SEO, to give you some extra SEO juice. It's my little way to say an extra thanks for taking the time to leave a review. And this week, My shout-out goes to Becky Langseth. She is a Seattle birth photographer based in the United States, and she says simply, Thanks, Andrew, for the podcast. I love listening to it when I go for my daily walks. I always leave feeling inspired and encouraged as I work on my own photography business. Thanks for the great content. Super simple, but so, so helpful. So again, thank you so much, Becky, for taking the time to do that. For you, the listener, if you haven't had a chance to leave a review for the Photography Business Exposed podcast, if you go to photobizx.com forward slash Google or photobizx.com forward slash iTunes, follow the prompts there, leave an honest review, send me an email to let me know that you've left that review and where you left it, let me know the URL you'd like me to link to and the keyword phrase that you're looking to rank for that I can use as anchor text to link to your website which will help with your SEO. It's super simple, and all the instructions are in the show notes as well. Alrighty, I'm going to keep things short because if you did catch last week's episode, you'll know that I am away in Thailand, a sneaky short break with my lovely wife, Linda. She's currently sitting down by the beach waiting for me as I record this intro and outro. And then it's going to be some breakfast at the hotel buffet. I'm going to edit this audio, get it out to you. And then it's going to be a day of leisure. So enough about that. (laughs) One of the things to keep this somewhat business related, how hard is it to relax as a small business owner? I mean, it is so, so tough. I mean, (laughs) it does sound ridiculous, me saying that from Thailand and talking about being on a beach. It's very hard for me. I don't know if it's the same for you, to actually sit down and just relax. I I pull out a book or I I pull out my phone and I think I should be doing something else. I should be working on this. I I should be uh, doing something exercise related. Uh, I, I shouldn't just be sitting here doing nothing. And I feel guilty for doing it, which is absolutely crazy because that's why we go on holidays. And it's the same when I'm at home. You know, I carve out some time to have to myself and I feel guilty doing it. I think I should be doing something else. I should be fixing something on the house. I should be working on the website, going to the gym, you know, just doing something else rather than doing nothing. It's so tough. Is it the same for you? I mean, do you, do you go through the same mental struggle as me to relax? And I think I've been the same ever since having a business, which is most of my life. I have strong memories, you know, of heading away on holidays with Linda and 
having a notebook, you know, and, and reading business books and taking notes. But at the same time, I'm always super excited about doing it. So I don't know, maybe it's just the way I'm wired. Maybe it's the way you're wired. Uh, if you've got any tricks to totally wind down and do nothing, and don't say, don't bring the computer or your phone, <laughs> because that won't happen. But maybe you've got a trick or two up your sleeve that will, uh, that will work to help me and other listeners relax and get away from business for a little bit. Anyway, let me know your thoughts. I'm going to leave it here. Wherever you are in the world, stay safe, healthy, and well. That didn't sound real good, did it? Wherever you are in the world, stay safe, healthy, and well. Have a fantastic week, and I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 